Hot off the grill, bitch. It's My Dad's a Chef, presented by What Do You Mean Productions, and sponsored by someone. As you hear my voice in the intro, for those of you who do not know, I am Bill, one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Typically, my co-host, Kyle, is the one to do this intro. However, we both were pretty busy this past week, and we decided that on this episode, we would do a little run back and go over some of our favorite memories of the first 25 episodes of My Dad's a Chef. Kind of crazy to think we're getting approaching that 25 number. It might honestly not be exactly 25. I think we are at like 21 or 22. Anyway, what we're doing is we are going to go over three of our favorite clips that have gone on in our past few episodes. And I think we're going to start with one of the most hotly debated topics, in my opinion, of the podcast. It is the take one candy bowl take that Kyle brought. For anybody who doesn't know the context of this clip, essentially... You know what? I'm just gonna let it roll. All right, hold on. Hand to the heart. Honest to God, real answer. I want nothing but the truth. Solemnly swear to tell the truth. I love the whole truth. Is your hand to your heart? Mm-hmm. I can say with all honesty that I have never taken more than one piece of candy from the take one candy bowl. What are you doing? They're not home. They don't care. You can take as many as you want. Oh my God! You're so, um. This ex- he hates orange, ladies and gentlemen. Wait he plays by the rules on <laughs> Halloween. I can't take this shit anymore. Wait like, a dude. Minute. All right. What? The only time. What? Listen to me. The only time that that is acceptable is if they have like those bowls, right, with the automated like skeleton Halloween hands. And yeah, like you put you're your scared hand, of it. they go, nah, 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 nah. and like nah, they fucking like smack your hand. That's just because you're scared of it. You follow the rules on that. You literally take one piece. Of Hell, candy. fucking yeah, bro! It's fucking trick or treat. It's every kid's dream to go trick or treating. Fuck those who other am kids. I, who am I to take an extra piece of candy from another fellow other child? Better than the other kids because it's your turn. You control the bowl. Yeah, and I choose. Democracy, not anarchy. So, how do you choose a candy? Like, seriously, like if you have like Kit Kat, so you have like Kit Kats, like mini crunch bars, like you know, a bunch of shit in that, like little bags of Swedish fish in that whole bowl, and a bunch of other candy, like nerds and like Laffy Tappies, and like Laffy Tappies are underrated, by the way, and Jolly Ranchers. Like, what, how, what's your thought process? Because that, like, Bill, I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed. All right, I'm gonna want everybody, I'm gonna want everybody to do this with me. I want you all, unless you're driving, to close your eyes. Or you're doing something that you have your eyes open. I want you to imagine you are a 10-year-old child walking up to this magnificently decorated Halloween mansion. And there is a big yellow bowl in front of you with a sign that says, take one. And you have all the candy options Kyle just listed. Jolly Ranchers, Starburst, Twizzlers. Crunch bars, Kit Kats, M&Ms, nerds. Kyle, I want you to just think. I want you to really reach inside of yourself and think. Reach into that bowl with your mental hand. And what do you take out? You want to know what I just took out? A box of grape nerds. So you don't even pick? No, I do. I would pick the box of grape nerds. I'm a big, like, grape nerd, little mini box grape nerd guy. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, now let's look at it in my perspective. You walk up to the house. It says, take one. You take one step back. You look at the house. All the lights are off. Nobody's home. You look around. All your boys are there. Yo, hurry the fuck up, dude. Take your candy. And you go, all right, bet. And you just take a big handful and grab as much fucking candy as you can. Throw it in your bag and you move on. You, how you doing? Keep them just moving on. Like, just grab a handful, put in the bag, moving on. Fuck those other kids that didn't get that candy. That's their loss. They didn't get to the house fast enough. Trick-or-treating is a game. It's not for fun. It's a fucking game. You got to get as much candy in your fucking bag as you can. I am a fucking trick-or-treating pro. You can't, like, ah, it just blows my mind. Dude, like, fuck the other kids. I, I can't believe you're that considerate about other kids on Halloween. You got to go on trick-or-treat. And you got to have the baddest motherfucking costume, the big, biggest fucking candy bag. You got to go with your boys. You got to have that same energy on your fucking level. And you go to that house. And if it says take one and nobody's fucking home, you take as much fucking candy as you can. Thank you. I have no rebuttal to that. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, while we're on the subject. What was your favorite Halloween costume while we're on the subject? We'll lighten the mood a little bit. I'm relaxing now. I, I was the Undertaker one year, so that's a pretty high one up for me. Uh, I actually had a food-related costume. Uh, I actually got a Facebook memory about it today. Uh, it was costume day. I don't remember if it was for the school or for Spirit Week. It might have been for Spirit Week. And I was a giant cookie. On the front of it, it said, got milk? Uh, when I was growing up, a staple of mine was Steve from Blue's Clues. Because I fucking love Blue's Clues. Shout out Steve. The man is back. But my favorite one was... So my dad, when he was at Phillips, he uh, worked for Aramark very closely. And he got a lot of leeway with the Red Sox. And he finessed a Red Sox vendor's jacket. You know what I'm talking about? Like the guys that go up and down the row like, popcorn here! Hoodwitches! Hoodwitches! Like you're talking about like an official like, ballpark one, right? Yeah. Like, get your Fenway Franks! All that shit. So... My mom made a button saying five bucks and they made a tray of like little popcorn uh, cups, put a little mustache on my head, put a little hat on. And I was like, I don't know, I was probably like six or seven, I think. And I was walking around. I was a hot dog. I was a popcorn guy. I found white park and I didn't people bring a bag with me. Right. Here's the catch. I didn't bring a bag with me. So the people had to put the candy in my popcorn cups. Did they buy anything from you? Yeah. They asked me how much and I'd be like, Point on my button, like five dollars, sir. And they go, Okay, here's a compromise. And then they fucking drop the candy in my popcorn cups. So I had like 20 popcorn cups just full of candy. It was so heavy, but it was so much fun. Five year old you learned a lesson. Guess what? When I was six, I still didn't take one. And my parents knew the hustle and they didn't care. I still believe by the way, that it is not a bad thing to not take one at the candy bowl. I think it's perfectly fine. Respect your fellow kids. I don't know. But I will say also that is genuinely one of my favorite moments of this podcast ever. I mean, there's very few things that can just make you belly laugh. And hearing Kyle just get so hot and so passionate about the take one candy bowl thing was just so fucking funny. So we'll roll right along into a second clip, one that uh, is really fun. We only had two interviews during 
our tenure here at My Dad's a Chef so far, and we do hope that in the rest of this year, 2022, and the show overall to come, that we will indeed get you some more interviews with food personalities, people in the industry, restaurant owners, small business owners, everyone of the likes. And our first one we did was with Warren of Modern Butcher in Newburyport, Massachusetts. And for those of you who don't know, their roast beef sandwich, which is a local New England delicacy, probably more North Shore, is phenomenal. And anybody who knows them knows that. And we talked to Warren about kind of where it came from, how he makes it, what sets it apart. And then we also talked about a couple of the sandwich of the days. And I honestly really love this interview. If you guys have not heard our interview with Warren, definitely go back and listen to the whole thing. And this is only a clip of us talking about the roast beefs, but trust me, if you guys haven't been down to Modern Butcher in Newburyport, Massachusetts, go get one of those roast beefs on a Saturday. It'll be worth it. You guys are very well known for your roast beefs. Yeah. It's no, no it's, it's literally no secret. You guys arguably might have the best beef in the North Shore, and that's pretty high praise because that's what uh, we're really known for. Um, yes. So what can you give us a little insight what makes the ideal roast beef sandwich what goes into the proper three-way and you know if you're even a fan of them yourself what roast beef is your favorite kind of dive into your science behind it so the roast beef sandwich <laughs> it's a funny one because it has a formula you're locked into it there's nothing you can do to change it you have to use james river barbecue sauce you have to use american cheese and then mayo, that's your three-way. The only thing that we have freedom to play with is the beef itself. So, oh, I mean, all the beef that we're using, I know what those animals did. So I think I have a slight advantage there where I know it's never been frozen. I'm the one, you know, trimming the thing down. I'm pulling off what needs to get pulled off and shaping it in the way that I want it shaped. Um, so I, I have a lot of control over what that finished product is going to be. Um, as far as cooking it, I mean, it's no secret that I sous vide it. I do because I, we used to do the sandwich on Fridays. So what I would do is I would cook it on Thursday night. And, um, for some reason I thought like, oh yeah, like this sandwich has to be sliced cold because I need to count how many sandwiches I have and weigh everything and make sure it's even. The only way, get, uh, only way to get a thin slice is for it to be cold. So that was my conception from the beginning. Because again, no kitchen experience. I'm not a sandwich shop. I don't know this shit. So I would cook it on Thursday night and be making sausage at the same time and overcook it every single week. And our solution was, what do I do when I forget? Because every week I'd forget. What's the way to fail safe that? And it's sous vide. If I forget something in the sous vide, it's not going to like overcook. It's just going to get better. So that was our, you know, solution to essentially me getting high and making sausage on Thursday and forgetting about the roast beef. So we started doing that. As far as the process on how I made it, it's kind of one of those things like I know you need a garlic element. So I, I brought in a garlic element. And when we first started, whatever spice that um, our spice lady brought that week for me to play with was what I would put on that roast beef. And then she missed a week and I had nothing to use. I found this like random spice thing that I had just in the shop, like randomly, it was like a random company. 
And I was like, well, shit, this is what we're using this week. So I grabbed it and rubbed the roast beef with it, did the process. And I was like, this is fantastic. And then unfortunately now I'm stuck using that spice and the same process that I've been doing. So I, I'm now using this random spice thing that I modify slightly because there's a couple things I need to add and tweak on it because there was something not right about it. The first time we did it, I needed another note of essentially sweetness. So I add a couple things to it to kind of bring out the sweet part to combat the James River, like the slight spice on that. So I want there to be some sort of sweet element too. Um, so I'm trying to think of what else I can explain about that. So to start, I mean, like I said, we were slicing the whole thing, you know, cold. I'd come in Friday mornings at like four in the morning, slice all of it, weigh everything out, portion everything, and then have it ready to go. And then we'd go through our process. And we recently hired a chef. And um, this Juan, if you're watching this, you're literally my hero. Um, brought him in and he kind of brought like a whole new insight to everything. And he's like, okay, we're scratching this whole process. This is how we're going to do it. This is how to be efficient. This is the way it should be done. So he changed the whole thing and sure as shit, it worked. We switched it from Friday to Saturday. No phone calls. You physically have to come down for a sandwich. Everything's sliced hot right into the bread, which the scary part of this whole thing is, is I don't know how many sandwiches I have to sell. So I'm kind of doing this whole thing blind up until about three o'clock where I can kind of gauge how many I'm going to have left. And it's still an estimate. So we're kind of guesstimating like, okay, there'll be 12 sandwiches left. And we've knock on wood, uh, made it through every single Saturday without selling out, which is fantastic. And that's our goal. So we're making more than what we need. So if you're coming, you're getting a sandwich. And then we, you know, reuse the leftovers for something else. Like we'll make like a Philly cheesesteak or something. So as long as we have enough to cover us through that day, we're totally good. Um, as far as the roast beef that I like to eat, this is a funny question. Um, someone had asked this before too. And um, I didn't say what it was because I wasn't sure what people would say. Honestly, at this point, I don't give a shit. My roast beef place is Billy's Roast Beef in Wakefield. Hey, Billy, that's, look at that. <laughs> that's my spot. Billy's Roast Beef in Wakefield. I've been going there since I was a kid. Um, and I brought Lisa there and she hated it. And I still love it because it's what I grew up eating. And that's the other thing about the roast beef sandwich too, is that it's one of those foods that people have an emotional attachment to. So if you put my sandwich next to your home shop sandwich that you've been eating since you were a kid, you're going to pick that sandwich over mine. It doesn't matter how good my sandwich is. That's, you get emotion from eating that sandwich. You get a feeling, it provokes something in you. It, it's, it's a trigger for you. So yeah, you're going to pick that sandwich. And that's something that I understand. And I do the same thing. Like if you put my sandwich next to Billy's, I would eat Billy's and be like, yeah, mine's good. But like, this is the one I want to eat because I have an emotional attachment to it. And a lot of people are starting to understand that. It's one, it's one of those things like you don't think too much about because every town has it, everyone eats them. It's a, it's a thoughtless, you know, a thoughtless thing. Like it's just so simple, rich, poor, doesn't matter who you are or where you live, you eat that sandwich. And it's, it's like a staple in this area. And, and again, it's an emotional thing. Not like you cry, you eat the sandwich. It's like an emotional thing. <laughs> I, I think of like my childhood when I eat the sandwich, like, I'm at peace. I think of being a kid. Like it's, 
it's one of those things that yeah everyone has some sort of attachment to it and it's it's pretty special it really is oh that's that's i agree and and i know we said it too we know you know love and passion into food is definitely an important quality of it and you know it's it's nice to see you know you're you're getting so passionate and emotional about stuff like that too. Now we don't we don't want to just exclusively call you guys roast beef guys because we know you guys have other sandwiches of the day too. Do you have another <laughs> yeah. favorite sandwich of the day? You know, one that's your personal favorite? Shit. Honestly, we've done so many of them. I don't even remember any of them. And honestly, they all give me such anxiety that I hate all of them. Um, just the stress and stuff that, that revolves around it and like trying to explain to people that like we're not a sandwich shop like we do one sandwich a day and we do it for fun we do it because it's fun for us and it like helps us with our ADD because doing the same shit day in and day out is hard so if you throw another element in there it, it helps there's one that she did that was it was like roasted turkey breast with bacon avocado like a chipotle mayo caramelized onions or something like that that might have been my favorite one that that might have been my favorite that one sounds pretty fucking good too. yeah and i hate turkey too i really do i, I mean i i eat turkey once a year sliced turkey like deli meat turkey that i'm okay with but like actual turkey once a year and then if she makes the sandwich i'll eat it then too but i just i can't get i it doesn't do it for me that's all right. Turkey can be that one then. No, that's 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 pretty cool. No, I, I, I guess like as long said. as it's made right, you know. It, I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, we've <laughs> consistently overcooked the shit out of turkey, so I just associate it with like a dry mess. And being Italian too, every time we eat Thanksgiving dinner, turkey's like the eighth course. So by the time you even get there, you're just full and you have to force it in your mouth because you still have to eat it because it's Thanksgiving. So I just have that association with the two where I'm just like over full and trying to force down one piece because I have to say I ate turkey because it's Thanksgiving. So I don't know. That's just my issues. I don't know. Are you a, uh, <laughs> are, are you a big make a sandwich out of the roll guy on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the turkey that I eat, too, is alone in the kitchen because I'm eating the neck, and I don't want anyone to see me eat that. <laughs> um, so that's the other part of the turkey thing, too. Um, I prefer the neck and, like, the dark meat. But, um, yeah, I, I save a lot of my turkey consumption for the next day with, with the hot turkey sandwich. And, I mean, that's fantastic, too. It really is. If you guys also don't follow them on social media, which is at the modern butcher shop they post pictures of their sandwiches of the day as well as some of their sausages and other things going on for their restaurant and they're all delicious and they all look so delicious and again if you guys haven't checked them out definitely make sure you do they are located on 226 merrimack street newburyport massachusetts warren and his wife are great people and we would absolutely love for you guys to give them the love support they deserve and make sure you're following them on social media because their shit looks delicious makes me hungry right now recording this might need to go take a break and the last clip we're going to be showing to you guys tonight is one that i think really was a hit us hitting a good stride with our content and i'll be a little candid here this is one of our better performing episodes the chicken tender shortage dilemma and this argument, I think, really set the tone for the episode. Not even an argument, just discussion. At the time, and I am not aware if it still is a thing right now, there was a shortage on chicken tenders. 
and as we were getting into reading the article about it, we were finding out that a lot of parents are struggling because they don't have any frozen chicken tenders to give their kids. And if anybody remembers from the dad's episode, which if you haven't listened to that either, make sure you do, it's just not good to just give your kids that food like that. I'm not saying it's bad, because sometimes it is all you can afford, and that's okay, but we got to get the kids some sustenance out here. Just because little Timmy can't get his tendies isn't the end of the world, but I'm going to let you hear the argument. I'm going to hear you hear the story, and you tell us what you think. All right, so we're going to cut right to it. There is an epidemic sweeping the nation here. This is an issue, especially if you're in the age, age range of like, or honestly, like seven to like 28. This is a big deal. There is a shortage of chicken tenders in the United States due to supply chain issues brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. In an article from USA Today, no, the Today Show. Both. Both, actually. It's sweeping the nation. Everybody's talking about it. If you ain't talking about it, if your mama the front page of the news. The fucking front page of the news. You got a little cousin, you got a little brother, you got a little sister. That mother is affected by it. It's popping up on your phone. It's on the TV tickers. It's everywhere. And they talk about, well, basically, they both kind of talk about how parents are dealing with chicken tenders, like not being able to cook their kids' chicken tenders at night for dinner. That kind of makes me go back to what our dads were talking about when we talked about the uh, the stirring the pot. I believe, was was it the stirring the pot? Or when we talked about how- It was the food fact of the week. It was a food fact. How our dad, how dads in general feed their kids less healthy food. And I think this is kind of exhibit A for that. And our dads were against it. I think this is it because the prices are rising at restaurants, stores, wherever you go. I mean, I've never bought a basket of chicken tenders. And this is excluding going to a Bruins game at the garden because those are like $10.99 for like two strips and a basket of fries. Like, I'll go to a normal restaurant, I'll go to a normal, like, stand, get chicken tenders for, like, four bucks, maybe, five bucks. Those are gonna, those are skyrocketing right now because there's a shortage. And that's all because people are just buying the fuck out of chicken tenders for no, re- for no reason. I mean, like, the pandemic's a reason, but chicken tenders, huh? Chicken cheese tender biscuit. I'm all about well, the obscure references today. Billy's vibing today. Billy's feeling himself. He's feeling good today. Billy I had, had a good day time. today. I had a good day today, actually. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah. But, I mean, like we're saying, the tenders are the latest item affected by supply chain issues due, due to the pandemic, which does mean higher prices for them at grocery stores and restaurants, like I said. Now, this joins a cat. This joins like a category of food items that are being like, you know, bought out and there's a shortage of because of the pandemic. It's items like maple syrup, different types of wine, different types of booze, takeout containers, which is a no, and coffee cups, which are two like big ones that I could think of off the jump. But not chicken tenders, not maple syrup, the fuck. And like wine and different booze, I guess that makes sense. But I don't know. It's tough to like make sense of it in a way, but you can kind of see it from like a hindsight perspective too. Yeah, it's weird. It's funny that it's takeout containers is one of those things because 
recently at my job's cafeteria, every day it seems like they have a different type of container for like the food. One day it was like the white styrofoam. Then it was like a, like a beige plastic. Then it was a black top with a clear bottom. And then it was today, it was like a cardboard takeout box, like one that folds over itself. Mm-hmm. Very weird, very weird. Maybe that maybe, uh, you know, where we're seeing the direct effects of the uh, strange shortage going on. But I, I just want to read a, a, a quote on the today.com article regarding the supply chain crisis threatening chicken fingers. A parent from Scottsdale, Arizona said that removing chicken tenders from the family menu could mean a lot of frowning faces at dinner or breakfast or lunch. My kids eat hamburgers, french fries. I have to wrestle them to eat vegetables, said the parent. I don't want to say her name because we're calling her up. Mm. When I come home from the store, I don't have any chicken tenders. My kids are not happy. Lady, the thing about feeding your children and I think our dads portrayed this very well, is you have to expand their palates young. If you give in to the easy stuff, the kids are going to expect easy stuff. Now, if you're like me, if you're like Kyle, we have very defined, refined palates, and that is why you are listening to us talk about food, because we know what we're talking about. But it goes, but like she goes on and like proving our point more, that she quotes again, the shelves have been empty recently. Restaurants have been out of chicken tenders and it makes it very difficult when you have kids that have limited options, end quote. That's your problem, lady. Again, like, we're not parents. So I guess yes. technically we're, we're not even chefs. So our dads are. Our dads are. And yeah. we have dads. So and they're parents too. Right. They're parents. They're they just happen parents. to also be chefs. Exactly. So it just seems very interesting that People are trying to say like, oh, kids aren't going to be eating because of this. Kids are going to be picky because of this. Like, feed your kids something else. I don't know. Another thing, too, is we're getting a lot of meat alternatives nowadays. You know, you get the Beyond Burgers, Beyond Brand in general of all their meat alternatives. Uh, I believe in the usatoday.com, they had something like a 1,300% increase in purchases of like beyond chicken tenders that are frozen from the market. It's simply because people are like that desperate for them. Not to say they're bad, that they're desperate because they're bad or anything, but it's just interesting. It's literally like a chicken tender for anybody who doesn't know is just the smallest fillet of a chicken from the chicken breast, which, you know, obviously at that point will require a process for packaging and cutting and selling. But if you're looking at nuggies too, you know, nuggies are just the scrap meat. You know, they just get blended together. Sorry to pull it's like up the hot dog. Eyes. Exactly. It's like like, the hot dog of like the, watch, what's, what's that documentary? Meat Inc., right? That's like, like remember when we were like it's food, food Inc. Inc. Yeah. Food Inc. Like, that show, don't, yo, if, if you get like squeamish or like anything or cringy or anything like that, don't watch that movie. Yeah. But it's good to know where your food's coming from, though. Like, realistically, honestly. You know, it's it's good to know where your food's coming from. And I'm not a clean eater. I'm not going to praise that I am a clean eater. But there's nothing wrong with being, a, with being a clean eater, you know, especially when things like this are going on. Like, it's a good time to start transitioning your kids to saying, hey, kids, properly seasoned roasted broccoli, properly seasoned roasted Brussels sprouts, properly seasoned, you know, carrots or properly seasoned other meats you know just cook them a grilled fucking chicken just but it's also how you present it to them too you know what i mean like 
the way they present veggies to their kids, they probably started off introducing vegetables to their kids a totally wrong way. And kids have probably gotten the wrong idea off that, off that veggie, whatever it is, based off that first experience or like what they hear from people or like TV and shit like that. That's what it I want to say. Kind of bugs me. I, like I like to think of myself as a clean eater. And like seeing like the ads on TV, you never see, you just see ads for like McDonald's. No, it's not, or, it's not even just ads. I'm telling you, children's cartoons are vegetable propaganda. I oh, will okay. actually, I will actually stand and die for that fight. I truly believe that, like popular Western media, in the children's scope, has victimized or has villainized broccoli, has villainized things like Brussels sprouts and just vegetables in general. Who, who in big fast food, whatever is paying off these cartoon editors to, you know, promote things, promote burgers and fries and tendies, you know, and, and you hear the memes about tendies all the time too, you know, like there's just memes about chicken tenders. Chicken tenders are almost a meme in themselves. So, you know, kids are so exposed to not wanting vegetables. It is your responsibility to make sure kids are getting vegetables. Now, again, we're not parents. We're not even chefs. We know what we're talking about. So, you know, if, if you're one of these parents who are really affected by this chicken cheese tender biscuit shortage, start thinking of alternatives. Don't sit and complain. That should be your motive for life, too. Don't just sit and complain about the bad things happen to you. Take action for your actions. Make every action have a reaction. You step up to the plate. You take your best swing and you hit it out of the park every single time. I love that. I love that. Nice job. Nice analogy. But the whole propaganda thing, like this is the way I look at it. And this is a whole, I'm going to nerd out for like two minutes. So just like bear with me. It's a whole economy thing. It's all the economics of the country and how the food, you know, like how it works. You're laughing at me, Billy, but it's true. So organic foods like veggies, fruits and whatnot, they're better for your body. Correct. Right. So those are obviously going to cost more money because the more you can get out of a person that wants to better their body and whatnot, the better your dollar, the better your profit, the better your profit maximization of that certain fruit or veggie, correct, right? So fast food, it's quick, it's easy, it's unhealthy, it's fun. When they have commercials, posters, the McDonald's in general, a big yellow arch with red lettering, Burger King, you add a little blue in there. Taco Bell, you have a big-ass bell. And it's like red, purple, blue, and, you know, they're just colors. And that's what attracts little kids, too. So when you have a McDonald's commercial popping up, and you got purple, blue, pink, green, and you got friggin' the Hamburglar chasing down Ronald McDonald, you know, color card, fun cartoons, kids are going to gravitate to that more. And parents are going to look out and they go, you know what, man, like, if my kid really wants this, it's better than me spending $12.50 on six chicken breasts, four bucks for a bag of broccoli to have for dinner tonight, where I can go to McDonald's and get 10 bucks and get like four McChickens and like three McDoubles or whatever the hell you get. You know what I mean? That's why. And that's me also going back to my point. It's just presented wrong. And it's presented like terrible. So like it's a big, like I said, it's a big deal for us that are like seven to like 28 years old. But this is pointing it out where as parents are trying to get in being like, this is a problem for us too. We need to make chicken tennis for our kids. We don't want to cook for our kids. That's a you problem.
All right, and that will do it for the My Dad's a Chef 2021 episodic recap. Those are three of our favorite moments. Kyle and I both decided to have these moments talked about together, and they really are amazing. It's so great, the experiences we've been able to have on this podcast. And again, I'll speak a little candidly and say that we have been having a whole ton of fun. We do hope that 2022 continues to be a strong year for us. We do have a lot planned content-wise. We do have a lot planned business-wise, on my sense, for What Do You Mean Productions. If you guys don't follow What Do You Mean Productions on social media, at WDY Productions on Instagram. We have a lot planned, and I think that if you guys continue to follow, make sure you guys are also like, rate, sharing the pod. I didn't give you guys your dessert, so here is me giving you your dessert. Make sure you guys are like, liking, rating, and sharing the pod. Make sure you guys are checking us out on social media. Again, you can find us at My Dad's a Chef Pod. And as always, we know you're hungry. I'm hungry. I'm looking through the Modern Butcher Instagram right now, and they have some good-looking sandwiches. I'm going to go eat, and you guys should too. So thank you all again for tuning in, and we will see you on the next one.